Well, my friends, we turn to the word of the Lord now. The word of the Lord has already been brought to us, by the way, through the scripture reading from Bria and through this beautiful song and through the songs that we sang together as a congregation. But now I ask you to focus with me on the theme of always depend on the Lord. It's been a theme we've been working on for several messages, and it's based on Hosea in the Bible, Hosea chapter 12, verse 6, where we read, So now come back to your God, act with love and justice, and always depend on him. Always depend on him. In a previous message, I shared with you the uh, basic truths that are so important to all of us. And in those uh, messages, we said, uh, first of all, we said, depend. Depend on the Lord for your daily needs, right? And then we talked about the need to depend on the Lord to strengthen you and depend on the Lord to comfort you. We come now today to the subject of depend on the Lord for your healing. This is our first truth. Depend on the Lord for your healing. And I'm going to share some passages of Scripture that can inspire us and encourage us to have faith to believe in healing. Healing from the Lord, with the Lord, by the Lord, and by the Lord working through doctors and nurses and other medical staff. If you wish to read some of these verses with me, please do so. You who are in the sanctuary and you who are watching online, beginning with Luke's gospel, Luke 6, verses 18 and 19, it says, They had come to hear him, Jesus, and to be healed of their diseases, and those troubled by evil spirits were healed. Everyone tried to touch him because healing power went out from him, and he, Jesus, healed everyone. Isn't that beautiful? And then Matthew 9, verse 35, together if you wish. Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. And then looking at Mark 5, verse 34. He, Jesus, said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. And Psalm 30, verse 2. Lord my God, I call to you, I call to you for help, and you healed me. In Jeremiah 17, verse 14. O Lord, if you heal me, I will be truly healed. If you save me, I will be truly saved. My praises are for you alone. Amen. And then Isaiah 53, verse 5. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. And Psalm 147, verse 3. He heals the brokenhearted and bandages their wounds. In Psalm 41, verse 3, the Lord nurses them when they are sick and restores them to health. In James 5, 14 and 15, such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick and the Lord will make you well. And if you have committed any sins, you will be forgiven. Praise the Lord. 
And so we have Bible passages such as, the, such as the ones we've just read and many others that can inspire us, encourage us to have faith, to believe in the healing power of our Lord, our Lord God Almighty, who came to earth in the person of Jesus. What are, what are some of the types of healing that we often need? What are some of them? Well, of course, there is physical healing that we're all acquainted with. Physical healing. On our church prayer list of two pages, most of the prayer requests are for physical healing, if you look at it. And to those of you who need physical healing, please remember Psalm 30, verse 2, which says, Lord my God, I called to you for help, and you healed me. I called to you for help, and you healed me. In other words, there is hope, right? There is hope with the Lord because of the Lord from the Lord, there is hope, my friends. Whatever situation we face with our health, there is hope. Sometimes the Lord brings instant healing. Some of you can testify of instant healing that you have experienced. Sometimes the Lord heals gradually, and others of you can testify to that. At times, God does a miraculous healing, and we thank him and praise him, however he does it. Other times, the Lord works through doctors and nurses and hospitals. In the Church of the Nazarene, we believe that sometimes God brings healing through the medical profession, and other times directly by the power of God. There are also times when for reasons that we don't know, God does not appear to bring the kind of healing that we are expecting. Isn't that true? That's true. The Apostle Paul, for example, prayed for God to take away some kind of a problem in his own life, which he refers to as a thorn in his flesh, a thorn in his flesh. 2 Corinthians 12, verses 8 and 9 say, three different times, he says, three different times, I begged the Lord to take it, that is the thorn in his flesh, I begged the Lord to take it away, and each time God said, my grace is all you need, my power works best in weakness. My power, God's power, works best in weakness, says the Apostle. The Apostle Paul had to live with some kind of a health problem. The Bible doesn't tell us what his thorn in the flesh was, but I have often wondered if, if it was migraine headaches. We'll never know. We'll never know exactly what it was. I'm just saying that as I've studied his life, Sometimes I thought, I wonder if it was migraine headaches. My friends, some of you are living with a thorn in the flesh. You and I have prayed many times for full victory. And why you have not as yet been healed, we don't know. Nevertheless, Nevertheless, to those of you on the main level here at Rosewood Church of the Nazarene Sanctuary, to those of you up at the balcony, and to those of you online, nevertheless, I say, don't give up. Don't give up. Romans chapter 12, verse 12 says, be patient in trouble and keep on praying. Keep on praying. 
praying. Amen. Amen. Here is another, another type of healing that sometimes some of us need. It is mental healing. Mental healing. There are times when a child, a teenager, or an adult experiences mental health illness. It is nothing to be ashamed of. It is nothing to be ashamed of. In general, mental illnesses are thought to be caused by a variety of genetic and environmental factors. The Mayo Clinic, some of you have probably heard or read about the Mayo Clinic, M-A-Y-O. The Mayo Clinic is a major medical and research center in the United States that specializes in cancer, cardiology, heart surgery, and uh, actually other specialties as well. And the Mayo Clinic says the following factors may increase our risk of developing a mental illness. Here are some of the factors, such as a history of mental illness in a blood relative, such as parents or grandparents. Another factor that can contribute to mental illness is this, very stressful situations such as major financial problems or an agonizing divorce or the death of a loved one. It is helpful if we can all try to prevent as much as possible in ourselves and in others extremely stressful situations. Try to prevent them to the best of our ability. On occasion, a, a chronic, meaning an ongoing medical problem, physical problem, can lead to mental health challenges. Brain damage as a result of a serious head injury can also cause mental health issues. Parents, parents, please listen now. When your children, youth, and when you yourself do things like ride your bicycle, please wear a helmet. Wear a helmet. If your children go rollerblading or online skating on the street or on the sidewalk or in the parking lots, wear a helmet. Have your children wear elbow pads, you know, when they're rollerblading. What, Cindy, what, what do they call that? The rollerblading, the roller skating, R right? That's what we called it when I was a, a kid and a teenager, all right? Wear elbow pads and knee pads. If, if you and your children go ice skating or skiing or snowboarding, wear a helmet, wear a helmet. Over the years, I've taken our son and daughter uh, skiing, and you know, I enjoy skiing as well. I'm not as uh, good as some of you are, but I do pretty good. And, um, and, and, and so sometimes I'm just amazed when I see parents with their little children not bothering to put helmets on them, knowing the kind of injuries they can experience. Uh, our, our own four little grandchildren like riding, they like riding a little little scooter, you know. Um, they're, they're these little, little scooters. Some have, what, two wheels, two wheels, and some of them have three wheels. I get, I get a laugh out of watching my three-year-old uh, grandson and uh, three-year-old granddaughter. They, they, they'll just get on that thing and they'll just whiz, whiz, whiz away, whiz away, and they... They seem to really have fun and enjoy it, you know, and, 
and uh, I'm waiting for my wife to go on it too. And <laughs> no, no, she says no. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm always pleased. I'm pleased when I see their, their parents. Okay, my grandchildren's parents insist that they wear a helmet. Uh, in fact, if I ever see them not wearing a helmet, I, I, I speak to them and I speak to the parents. Okay. Now, speaking of grandchildren, our daughter Amy was making uh, supper yesterday and she sent our family a, a brief video. Now, both children, Yanni and Yulia, Yanni is eight and Yulia is three years old, both of them like to help mom cook, especially the three-year-old. That little girl, I don't know what it is, you know, she just loves to help mommy cook. And when they come over to our home, uh, as my wife and I are cooking, that little girl will, will, will say, I help, I help, I help. So yesterday our, our daughter was making shake and bake chicken, uh, shake and bake chicken drumsticks for supper. And here is how the two children helped. Let's show that video. The problem with me showing you that video is that's the only thing some of you are going to remember from my sermon, you know. <laughs> well, uh, I showed you that. I showed you that video j just for the fun of it. And it might be an idea for some of you parents uh, as to how to get your children more interested in cooking, okay? Uh, I've been learning that a lot of kids have been growing up these days and they grow up and they say, I don't know how to cook. I meet with couples getting married, and I ask them, do you know how to cook? No. Uh, bride, do you know how to cook? No. How come? Anyway. All right. Who knows? Having more fun at supper time might prevent mental health problems. Okay. Now, I just mentioned, I just mentioned uh, that brain damage as a result of a serious blow to the head can cause mental health difficulties, right? Well, here is something which always makes me extremely nervous, extremely nervous. Over the years, too often, I have seen loving, well-meaning parents pick up their preschool children, well, young children, in other words, I've seen them pick up their little children by, by their ankles and hold them upside down for the fun of it. And often the parents will, will bounce them, you know, bounce them up and down and up and down and the children usually giggle and sniggle or swiggle and, and they have fun and usually the kids will say, do it again, daddy, do it again, do it again. Now, parents, please, don't play that game with your little children. Don't play that game. Why not? Why, why not? Come on. Why do I say that? Why not? You run the potential of dropping them. Well, I'm not going to drop him or her. It happens. You know, the kids are wiggly squiggly and you're, 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 you're just having fun and you can drop them on, by accident, you can drop, them that, drop that two-year-old, three-year-old or four-year-old on their head which can result in brain or neck injury or, or death. Now, one or two of you are probably, probably thinking, oh, I'm going to send Pastor Nick an email and tell him to mind his own business. <laughs> yeah, I know some of you are. 
well, you know what? You know what? The safety of little children is my business. Okay? And it ought to be your business as well. It's everyone's business. Everyone's business, my friends. Sometimes little children end up being badly hurt and permanently injured. And the injuries or death could easily have been prevented if the adults had been a little more careful and a little wiser. If a child, if a child is badly injured physically on account of careless play or negligence, not only, not only can the child develop mental illness, but the adult, the parent, uncle, aunt, whomever, can become mentally ill as he or she wrestles with the question, why wasn't I more careful? Um, I don't think I've ever told you this, and um, I, I, I still don't know why it ever happened, but uh, years ago when, when our family, when our family was traveling from Greece to, um, to Canada, we were new immigrants, when we were traveling, we came by boat. Back then, people, you know, came across the ocean on boat. I think my mother said it took about two weeks, something like that, from Greece. And, and one of my memories, one of my memories from that ship ride, the ship ride across the ocean is, for some reason, I don't know who it was, I don't know why they did this, but I, I still remember some guy, as just a little boy, five years old, some guy picked me up by my feet and he dangled me, he dangled me over the railing as if he was going to drop me in the ocean. Man, if I saw someone doing that with a little child, they better run for their life. <laughs> no matter whose child they're doing that to. Again, I, I don't know who did it and why they did it, uh, they, they, they most likely thought it was, you know, just fun, you know, fun. Uh, recently, in fact, it was August 10th to be exact, recently, uh, here in Whitby, which is kind of adjacent to Toronto for our international viewers, in Whitby, the police, the police stopped a driver who had four children in the vehicle and none of them, none of them were wearing a seatbelt. Seatbelts are obviously mandatory. Car seats are mandatory for the younger children here in Canada. On, on August 18, 2022, a driver was clocked by a police officer going 157 kilometers per hour on Highway 401 with two unbuckled infants, unbuckled infants in the back seat. For the benefit of our international viewers, the speed limit on Highway 401 is 100 kilometers per hour and not 157 kilometers per hour, okay? For our American viewers, 100 kilometers per hour is 60 miles per hour. Two unbuckled infants in a car going 157 kilometers per hour. If the driver had been in a serious collision, the children would have been flying through the windshield like missiles. What in the world was that driver thinking? What was that driver thinking? Sometimes, sometimes we unfortunately don't even, don't even realize that some things can be a danger. Some things can be a danger to little children. For about two and a half years, for about two and a half years, we have had every second row here in the sanctuary of Rosewood Church 
We've had every second row in our sanctuary blocked off with a, a lovely ribbon which has been pinned between two chairs. And initially, the ribbon was pinned with a, a regular pin, standard long pin. Now, we have done that to keep a six-foot distance between you and the person in front of you and behind you as a safety, COVID safety measure, right? Just last weekend, a wonderful young couple in our church appropriately told me how those shiny, sharp pins could be a serious danger to a little inquisitive mind, who, a little mind or minds of children who, who like to pull things out and put them in their mouth, right? And to the best of my knowledge, no child has been hurt. But I, I was so grateful that this young couple expressed their concern about the danger, especially to young children. And when I brought it up, uh, when I brought up the safety concern at the Tuesday board meeting, uh, we were so grateful that Edna Smith Bowes kindly offered to get a group of people to replace the sharp pins with safety pins. And they did that on Thursday evening after the safety training that we had. Thank you, Edna and volunteers. Thank you for doing that. I mentioned that little example because, you know, uh, normally I, I am very vigilant about safety matters. And I, and I thought, how in the world didn't I think of, of those pins being a danger to little children, you know? Well, I've been talking about some of the factors that could increase, that could increase your risk and mine of developing a mental illness. Here briefly, here briefly are, are a few other factors, okay? Another factor, traumatic experiences, traumatic experiences, such as military combat, or being assaulted or raped. Be sensitive, extra sensitive. Let's be extra sensitive to, to people who, who have had military combat, who have been assaulted by one means or another, or have been raped. Large-scale shootings and murders such as recently happened in Buffalo, Texas, California, Saskatchewan can also lead to mental illness because of the trauma. Then in some cases, the use of alcohol or recreational drugs can lead to mental illness. A childhood history of abuse or neglect. All right? If ever you come across a situation, whether it's in your family or someone else's family, where, where you know clearly that there, there has been or there is abuse or neglect, do something positive about it. Do what needs to be done to correct that situation because there is a good chance, a possibility that that child or those children can grow up developing mental health problems. And then other times, having few friends or few healthy relationships can add to the, the problem of mental health. This past Thursday, September 22nd, we held a safety and security training for leaders in our church and everyone else who was interested to come and be trained as, as to how to keep everyone more safe in the church and around the church. We had three Metropolitan Toronto police officers who came and did the training for us and with us. After we finished, after we finished, I, I had a discussion with one of the police officers who just somehow, it, I don't know how or why he mentioned it, but anyway, he just somehow uh, mentioned that on average, he said on average, 42nd Division police officers, 42nd Division is only a block away from here, 
and uh, covers a reasonable size area. But he told me of how the 42nd Division police officers deal, uh, deal on average with about five, with about five calls per day that have to do with mental health. And he spoke of how mental health challenges are a serious concern in our community and in our city as a whole. For your interest, the Mayo Clinic, M-A-Y-O, the Mayo Clinic researchers say that about one in five, about one in five adults has a mental illness in any given year. And that's what the specialists say. I cannot argue with the Mayo Clinic researchers, but, but, I can say that from my own many years of pastoring, fortunately, fortunately, I have not seen, I have not seen one in five adults with a mental illness in a given year, okay? Uh, the percentage they, they give, in my opinion, is high. I have seen far less than that, and I don't know how they got their statistics. I'm not saying they are wrong. I'm just saying I was really quite surprised when they said that one in five have mental needs uh, on average every year, according to the Mayo Clinic. Now, here is the good news. Here's the good news. People from our own Rosewood Church of the Nazarene over the years who have had mental health problems usually got better in some cases in a few weeks. In other cases, it took a few months depending upon what caused the illness. How did they get better, someone would hopefully ask. How did they get better? Well, here's how. Number one, through people praying for them. All right? They got better through people praying for them. Thank you to those of you who take seriously our prayer list and you pray for those requests week by week on your own, on Wednesday evenings, Saturday mornings, 9 to 12. I think yesterday we went till... I think it was 1240. Um, thank you for those of you who pray in the small group. So how did they get better? Through people praying for them. Secondly, how did they get better? Through the love and support of family and friends. Listen, support and love from family and friends goes a long way. Here's a third way how they got better. Through the work, through the work of the doctors and other medical staff at the Centenary Hospital Mental Health Unit. Now, the more recent name for Centenary Hospital, of course, is, is the Rouge Valley Health Center. Uh, but many of us still use the old name. Listen, when you have a previous name, don't change the name, okay? It just messes up people for years. Uh, there are, of course, there are, of course, very good uh, other mental health hospitals across Toronto as well that uh, some of our people have been helped by. All right? Here's a fourth way by which people have been helped th through their mental health experience. They got better by receiving counseling, counseling from, from a pastor and or a counselor. And the fifth way that folks have gotten better is this. They got better by continuing to take. I want you to listen carefully now. Listen to this. This is, this is so important. They got better by continuing to take their medications prescribed by the psychiatrist or their regular doctor. There are some, not all, not all, 
there are some mental health illnesses that are primarily caused by the fact that the person's body is not producing enough of a certain chemical to keep the brain functioning right. How many of you know that? Put your hand up. Okay, good number of you do. All right. Now, please remember, I didn't say all health problem, all mental health problems are caused by that. I said some mental illnesses are caused by, by deficiencies, uh, chemically speaking. All right. When, when the when the psychiatrist figures out which chemical is lacking, lacking in the person's brain through a variety of tests, the doctor prescribes a low dosage of that chemical through a prescription drug. With that prescription drug, it can be amazing. I've seen this. It can be amazing how quickly a person who was sick with mental health gets better and back to normal. I've seen it happen repeatedly. Many years ago, I remember how a dear person became mentally sick and, and started to have some terrible hallucinations. We took the patient to the hospital and eventually a psychiatrist prescribed just the right medication to provide the brain with the teeny weeny, the very small amount of chemical which the patient needed. Within about a week, that person was no longer hallucinating and was back totally to normal. Normal as could be. Several weeks passed, and all was well. Then one day, I started to get phone calls again in the middle of the night from that patient. I started to get phone calls at 2 a.m., 3.30 a.m., 4 a.m., 5 a.m. The person, unfortunately, was hallucinating and crying out for help and crying out for prayer. I was confused. I was confused as to why that dear person had been totally well for several weeks and then suddenly was mentally ill once again. I thought, what in the world has happened? I repeatedly got phone calls in the middle of the night and, and I remember praying, Lord, how do we help this dear person? I thought, I thought everything was fine. How do we help? The next time the patient phoned me in the middle of the night, I, I, I asked a question. I said, did you stop taking your medication? And the patient said, yes, yes. How did you know, pastor? I said, because you are sick again. Sick again. I, I begged the person to, to restart their medication, and that individual insisted they didn't need it. Oh, I don't need it. I'm fine. Finally, the family, the psychiatrist, and I convinced that precious person that their brain needed that small dosage of medication, and the person got back on the pills. After about five days, five days of taking the medicine once again, the patient was back to normal, and, and, and I no longer received the phone calls at all hours of the night begging for help and prayer. It seemed like it took about five days for enough of the medicine to build up in that person's brain for the neurotransmitters to work properly. Some of you medical people better understand how that works. Now, I told you that story to say this. My friends, if, if you ever have a mental health need and your regular doctor or psychiatrist finds 
some medicine that helps you. Keep taking it. Keep taking it unless you have a violent or allergic re excuse me, a, a violent or allergic reaction to it. Keep taking it. I beg you, I plead with you, because this is one of the biggest problems in helping people to get over to, to get over and, and, and overcome some some mental health problems. The good news is this. You are not a weirdo. You are not a weirdo for taking medicine that helps you mentally become healthy. Did you get that? You are not a weirdo. Sometimes people have said to me, Oh, if I take it, Pastor Nick, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm weird. I'm a weirdo. Other people don't have to take this, that kind of medication. I, I don't want to be weird. Listen, you are not weird. You are not weird for taking medicine that helps your brain operate properly. Do we get that? Some of you have no idea why I am so concerned about this because you haven't dealt with those situations but it's so important. My friends, listen, listen. There, there, are, there are millions of people who take blood pressure pills every day to keep their blood pressure around 120 over 80. Okay? Without the blood pressure pills, their blood pressure will go up to 180 or, or 200, which is dangerously high and can result in strokes and aneurysms where a blood vessel breaks. But by taking the, the, the blood pressure pills, they live fine. All right? Also, there are, for example, millions of people who have diabetes and their sugar levels would, um, yeah, their sugar levels would become dangerously high but by taking medications like metformin and some others and or taking insulin, their sugar levels are more in the acceptable range of 5 to 7 on a scale system that is used here in Canada. In some countries, there, there are different scale systems that are used. My friends, people who take blood pressure pills and or medications for diabetes or other illness are not weird. Now, come on, there are a lot of you here who take those medications. When I say you are not weird, you should say, Amen, Pastor. Come on now. If you need to take medications for mental health for a short time or for the rest of your life, just do it, okay? You are not weird. You're not weird. Say it with me. You are not weird. I know some of you are saying, Pastor Nick is weird. That's what you're saying. That's what some of you are thinking. You're not weird if you take medications all your life for mental health purposes, okay? Some of you probably feel uneasy about me talking about this subject, but we got to deal with these things, right? Have to be straightforward, upfront about them. Amen? I'm emphasizing this matter because one of the biggest challenges is to get mental health patients to keep taking their medications. All right. We have talked about how sometimes you and I need physical healing and other times we need mental healing. There are other kinds of healing which we'll get into in the future. The uh, technicians back there see all my notes and they're thinking, oh boy, Pastor Nick had a whole lot of other truth he wanted to get into and he's not going to have time to do it and that is true. But the good news is, my friends, the good news is this. The Lord loves you, 
And you, you can depend on the Lord. I can depend on the Lord for our help and our healing. Sometimes the Lord heals directly and instantly. And other times God heals in stages and or he heals through doctors, nurses, psychiatrists, medications, and counselors and counselors. This past Monday, Brother Caleb Adams had major spinal surgery. He had a very major operation on his back at the St. Michael's Hospital in downtown Toronto. He wrote me, sent me a message, an email last night, or maybe it was a text, whatever. And here's, here's what he said. I thought you would appreciate hearing this. To my brothers and sisters in Christ, it, it just touches my heart when I see someone say, to my brothers and sisters in Christ. Does it touch you? To my brothers and sisters in Christ at Rosewood Church of the Nazarene, I want to first of all thank you for your prayers and your love and kindness. I've had issues with my spine, my back, for a very long time. Within the last six weeks, my spine has deteriorated rapidly to the point where I could barely walk due to pain, weakness, loss of coordination, and balance. This is from the bulging discs, narrowing of the spinal canal, restriction of the spinal fluid, and the pinching of several nerves. The operation was not planned and was considered to be an emergency. After prayer and listening to my body, the doctors and family and friends, the surgery was performed. The Lord, the Lord has answered your prayers as the surgery went well. The surgery went, went as planned with no complications. The specialists and doctor's team at St. Michael's were absolutely professional, and I was treated like royalty, a child of the Most High. The Lord has been teaching me and also using me in the midst of my vulnerability to encourage and share testimonies of what the Lord has done in my life to the staff at St. Mike's as well as other patients. I have started journaling what the Lord has been showing me along with my progress. I have been transferred to Providence Healthcare, where I have been given a private room on the neuro rehabilitation floor. My rehabilitation will start on Monday, that's tomorrow. I'm experiencing severe nerve spasms that I have been told are normal for many patients following this type of serious surgery. I feel confident and I continue to trust and believe in faith that the Lord will bring healing through this rehabilitation process. Please continue to pray for me during this time. Once again, thank you, and I love each and every one of you. In Jesus' name, Caleb Adams. Amen. To the best of my knowledge, Caleb has been watching the service this morning, assuming he was able to connect in his hospital room. My friends, Luke 6, verses 18 and 19 says, They had come to hear him, Jesus, and to be healed of their diseases. Everyone tried to touch him because healing power went out from him, and he, Jesus, healed everyone. Brothers and sisters, 
let us continue to have faith and trust and depend upon the Lord for healing. Let us pray. Dear Lord, we are greatly encouraged by the Bible passages and the Bible stories where you declare your healing, where you release your healing power. And Lord, we ask and pray that you will continue in this present day and age to release your healing, touch your healing power in the lives of your people, those that are in this sanctuary, those that are watching online, those that are currently in hospital, like Caleb Adams, oh God. Release your healing power into these precious bodies and minds and brains, oh God. And bring the physical healing, the, 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 the mental healing that is needed and that many times can only be brought about by you, by your love and grace and mercy and power and healing touch. Let it happen, Lord. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of our Lord. Let it be so. Lord, we have a wonderful group of people here in the sanctuary. Some are perfectly healthy. Others are living with a thorn in the flesh, as did the Apostle Paul. Whatever their need might be today, hear the cry of their heart. Whether they pray it at the altar or in, 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 in the chair where they're sitting or standing, Lord, hear their prayer. Answer the cry of their heart. And we pray, Father, for healing. We pray for healing for many amongst us who are mourning. Lord, Pastor Lisa and I have had many, we've held many funerals in the last few months. And there are many families mourning. The hurt is great. Lord, prevent them. Help prevent these families that are mourning. Help prevent wives or husbands, sons or daughters from, from going into mental in illness, oh God, because of the loss, because of the pain, because of the sorrow. Lord, help them. Help them to overcome. Help them to rise above it. Help them to be victorious, Lord. You love them. And I love them. The other pastors love them. Our other pastors love them, dear God. So we pray. We pray that you would help each one. Whatever their need is. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.